Ladies and gentlemen, I went to my first festival in over a year. It was going so well until I tried plant-based chicken. In other words, public enemies, Chuck D. Bring in noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. So let me tell this story, okay? I told on the ITD as well, but I'm gonna tell it here. So, so I went to uh, Three Mills Island. I forget. I forget. How to, I forget how I said. I keep having this. I keep having a different word in my in my head, and it's not even that. Um, let me just look it up right quick. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I went to Three Mills Green on Three Mills Island um, at, to go to uh, reimagine uh, Easterville, like what they also called it, um, <clears throat> and it was great. Like, I've been wanting to go to a reimagine show uh, for years. Um, if you don't know who they are, well, probably not. But anyway, let me explain. So. Basically, they do, they they play, you know, iconic albums, right, from iconic artists and stuff like that. Um, you know, cover, basically covering, right, it's a cover band kind of thing, right, kind of that vibe. Um, but the difference is uh, that they do it with a, you know, an orchestral uh, flair to it. You know, I mean, they've got violins, they've got cellos, they've got trumpets, you know, trombones at the back, in the back. Right, and it's good. It's a nice. It's it's an interesting, different vibe, right? So I've wanted to go to one of their shows for years. They usually do, you know, just general shows. I think they have a res residency in XOY. I'm not sure if, if that's still the case. Um, but yeah, basically they do that, and they do things like you know, it's occasional for Lauren Hill, uh, 2001, uh, Chronic 2001, Dre, College Dropout. Right, they do they do a few. They do a lot of things, right? So in this, so I guess I'm assuming this is their first time back, right? Obviously for obvious reasons, and um, they basically just gave you six shows for like fifteen quid, and I'm just like, okay, come on then. Um, so I was there for half of it. Um, I only dipped because the weather was a bit whack and the floor was muddy, and it was just it was just ruining my vibe. Um, but you know, I got to experience uh, 2001. I got to experience uh, my beautiful dust was fantasy, which is great. Uh, Beyonce's Lemonade and also a bit of Destiny's Child's Greatest Hits as well. Um, they also had a uh, Frank Ocean. They did like a Channel Orange versus Blonde kind of thing mashup, and also uh, Prince's Purple Rain, which is cool. Um, but yeah, you know, I was there and uh, it was cool. I enjoyed it. The music was great. Music was vibing. All right, <sighs> and then we went to get something to eat. So you know, we we could have me and my homie D went right. And we could have easily, 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 easily just went to the Jamaican spot. I think it's called Mama's Jerk or something like that. Could have just went there. Could could have just went there. But we decided to take a walk around, you know what I mean? Just 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 get the overall layout, right? And uh we found this other chicken spot, right? Nice little small chicken spot, little 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 kiosk, right? And uh you know, we saw it, saw the flavours going on, we were just like, oh that's cool. Because we can only see the side of it, right? 
Um, the bottom of it would, would have been very evident, but we'll get to that. Um, so, you know, we, we, we get in line. We're like, yeah, go on then, right? And my boy got, and he goes to me, um, oh, they're white. Because that could be a red flag, right? And in this case, it was, right? Just saying. It was a red flag, okay? Um, but we were just, uh, but, you know, we kind of just moved past that red flag uh, waving. Like he, he was, just, I think he was joking, but it turns out to be a real red flag. But anyway, um, so we line up. Uh, it's two drumsticks for five quid. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's a lot. Um, but we just assume right London prices, right? You know what I mean? That's how it's sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? Get go get go to a pub in London and just get a drink. Like fuck, it's crazy. Um, or go to any bar. Ugh. Ugh. Crazy prices. Um, so I thought it was kind of that, that kind of thing, right? So we go there, get two wi- get two drumsticks, sorry, and some chips, right? Now I will say, and we and we dose it in a, a mango, uh, like a mango spicy mango sauce kind of thing. Now I will say the chips were great, like with the with the uh, with the sauce they held over it, it banged. It actually banged. It was really really nice, right? Really really enjoyable. Okay, but then my boy bite a bit into the chicken. Oh, so I, so I, or quote unquote chicken, and uh, he goes, "What the fuck is this?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" And and we we could, we saw it right. We saw the shape of the chicken. We were just like, "Hmm, okay, these look like flats, but they're not flats, right?" So you know, still buy into it. Boom. Sunday dawns on us. This is not chicken. This is plant-based chicken. Now I will, I'm going to preface this with by saying, right, I am here. For the pending plant-based vegan uh, uh, change that we will inevitably have to go someday, right? This we'll, we'll get to the we'll get to the climate stuff in a bit, um, but you know it's it's imperative. I think I feel that this needs to happen. All this technology needs to happen in terms of the gro- the evolution of plant-based meats um, and plant-based anything, etc., etc. Right? It needs to upgrade. But, but, this 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 wasn't it, Chief. This plant-based chicken wasn't it. And I actually know the brand, by the way. I looked it up. I, I had to find who these culprits were. I'm not going to say their name, but I know who you are. Um, <laughs> we Literally, it took us 20 minutes to go through two drumsticks of plant-based chicken because it was so weird it was such a weird experience that we've never had in our lives and we were just so utterly confused about what we just bought and what we are eating and what is going into our mouths it was freaky i could only describe the texture as this candy floss made from spider webs it was so weird it was it was it dissolved into like a stringy texture i could not tell you how weird this is how weird it was now I will say the surface was great. The surface, I I saw the surface of it and I was like, oh, they packed on a lot of, you know, packed on a lot of uh, um, seasoning, right? Because it was it was thick, right? It was a thick layer, but it was more like oil and water. You know when you put oil and water and the oil just sits on top of the water. It was kind of like that. It was two separate layers of things. It was a mango seasoned skin, or whatever the skin was, quote unquote. And then it was just the plant-based meat itself, which had no taste to it at all, and it just had a stringy texture. It was really weird. So, lesson is just 
go to the fucking Jamaican spot. Alright, just just go to the fucking Jamaican spot. But we did get wings afterwards to uh to make ourselves feel better. But anyway, we get into the show. We have four topics as always: two life, more music, and one sport. And for my before we begin, email to the IG, Discord link, all that, all of it, all of that is in the full show notes. Go peep the uh, go peep the articles for yourself. Give them a read and support the writers and make this show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop and let's get into the show. In a week where Rihanna is now a billionaire, and I am not here to celebrate that, and if you are celebrating it, you're being a hypocrite, okay? You can't be the same person that shits on Jeff Bezos, shits on Richard, Richard Branson, but then praises Rihanna for, getting, for, for becoming a billionaire. Not here for it. Um, what's next? I can't even read. Italy is now suffering from wildfires. That is the, I think, third country in Europe now. Um, there's a lot going on in Greece as well. I mentioned that previously, and tu- <gasps> excuse me, at Turkey, um, and I'm sure that they're not going to be the last. Uh, Lionel Messi leaves Barcelona and signs a two-year deal with PSG. Um, that's just, just yeah. It, it it doesn't even look real. It looks like something from. It, it just looks like FIFA. Every time I see Messi holding a PSG shirt that he did today or yesterday, I forget. It just looks weird. It just doesn't look right. Um, it's a fascinating one. South Park creators signed a $900 million deal to renew series with Viacom CBS through 2027. The deal also includes 14 new films for Paramount+. Plus. Jesus Christ, South Park is just gonna is going off ever. Like, that's, that's some Simpsons-level shit. Uh, and Simpsons ain't even getting the films. Like, they're... they're, they're wow. They're just getting, they just literally got the bag thrown at them. So, shout out to them. Um, and lastly, three years until Paris 2024. And that bleeds right into what I want to talk about first, which is the end of the Olympics in Tokyo. Tokyo 2020, technically 2021. Olympics are over. They are out of the way. They are done. And we now look forward to Paris 2024 in three years' time. Now, I was wondering how I was going to talk about this, um, because, you know, I could have easily, I, I could easily spend half an hour talking about what I really enjoyed from the Olympics, you know, I think from specific uh, events that happened. Uh, for me, per- I, I, I will say on my person, on a personal side, I did, I, I didn't digest as much as I wanted to. Yeah, I think that's the way I was saying it. Uh, I didn't digest as much as I wanted Um the only things I really genuinely were plugged into consistently uh, was the athletics, uh, the rugby sevens, uh, the badminton, uh, the BMX racing, skateboarding, and uh, half and half taekwondo. But probably not as much. I didn't want. To, I didn't watch as much as the. I only watched the finals for those. I, I kind of wish I watched the heats as well and stuff like that. You know, I mean, just watch the whole progression wasn't didn't didn't get to it but um yeah and also you know basketball a bit of three-on-three basketball here and there when it was on sprinkle that in you know so a, de- a decent amount for me personally i'm 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 okay with what i, what I watch but I've, I've i wanted to watch more I, I i missed a lot i missed the kayaking 
kayaker sprints. I really enjoy that kind of shit. It's so fast paced. Um, what else did I miss? Uh, like I, I didn't even see a lick of karate. I didn't even know it existed. I couldn't. I did not even f- see it. I uh, did not see any karate. Um, so I'm a bit pissed about that. Uh, didn't see much judo. Um, uh, didn't see much, uh, I did watch a bit of archery, right, anyway, but yeah, the, the point, the point is, I didn't watch as much as I wanted to, um, and that's probably, that's probably, I, probably what I listed there is probably more than most people, right, but, you know, I'm different, I'm built different, um, but I could easily talk about all that, and, you know, name a few things that happened, um, that, uh, and I, I kind of will, but I'll frame it in this way, uh, and this is how I want to talk about the Olympics and uh, how it came through. Um, firstly, firstly, I feel like it again. I think I said this before, before the Olympics even began. Probably did anyway. Um, I, I, I am of the opinion that it should have still been pushed back a year. Um, I know why it didn't. We've talked about the finances. We've talked about the money side of Tokyo. Um, they're already in an economic crater. If they didn't do it now, then they must have just called the whole to- must have just put the whole city in- under administration, right? It is it was it was practically impossible um to push it back another year, right? But I still feel like it should have been. Um just just for just for the health and for the sake of the people of Tokyo. Because I know for a fact if this was happening in London People would be fucking going apeshit. Like the complaining would be absolutely outrageous. Like you've anti-mask, anti-lockdown protest times twenty. Like it's, it's, it'll be stupid, right? So I, I I just know that if it was anywhere else, people would still be bitching and moaning about it, right? And that's and that's fine. I get it. I understand it. But it's now gone, pin and gone. So it is what it is, right? Live with that. Um, and even saying live with that, it sounds a bit uh, sharp, but you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I still think it should have been pushed back a year. Um, but with that said, as it came through and it's been now been and gone, I think the overriding thought I have towards the Olympics as just a sporting event, um, is that again, there is nothing like it. Um, and adding on to that, it was so clear watching those athletes compete. You could see the absurd amount of gratitude they had to just being there. You know, with everything that has gone on in the past year or so, the fact that they as athletes, as world-class athletes, were able to participate in the sport, they put their blood, sweat and tears in and were allowed to showcase their abilities and compete for the podium, for the medals. The amount of gratitude I saw for a lot of them were was palpable. Like it, I think it, it comes across, it came across to me very differently than previously. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of uh, you know, athletes that you know have, it's, it's like their first Olympics, right? And you know when they're like that kind of pe- those kind of people in that echelon of you know it's my debut Olympics, right? And um, 
you know, they have that gratitude anyway, right? Because it's their first Olympics. They finally made it to the pinnacle, you know, and hope to make it for many more years to come, right? And hope to stay at that pinnacle for, for the remainder of their careers, right? And continue to come to Olympics and uh, and compete, right? That gratitude is always there, but it's but it comes across so widely this time because of the fact that a lot of these athletes spent the whole year, like all of us, in practical limbo and not knowing. And and some of them, did, a lot of athletes didn't come to the Olympics because they were going to do it in 2020 and they couldn't, they didn't feel they could do a year of it. So they retired. There's a few of those people. There's a few stories like that. And that's unfortunate. Right. Um, but the fact that they were all able to go and, you know, we talked about the logistics a few weeks ago on here and how crazy that was. But the fact that they made it is kind of a marvel in itself. And uh, the fact that they were able to is fascinating to me. Um, and the camera- camaraderie that came across a lot of those came across a lot of them was really interesting. Um, I think the biggest highlight, uh, biggest example of that is when uh, uh, Gian, Gianmarco Tamberi and uh, Mutazis Esabashim, um, two well, joint gold medalists now in high, in men's high jump, uh, you know, they went jump, they literally went jump for jump. And they, <laughs> and after about, I don't know, I think like 10, 10 12 jumps, uh, they called it and they were just like, can we share it? And it, as soon as boss man was like, "There is you, you, there's a potential, potential for that," they just dapped and you know just went ape shit, and, uh, and that's that's what I'm talking about. I don't think in 2016, 2012, or even 2024 now, I don't think that kind of camaraderie will be there. Right? There's going to be respect. Right? It's it's different. There's going to be respect. Okay, between between athletes, right, and and in between them two, they have a deep friendship. Um, if you uh, there's actually a great uh, piece that Tamberi wrote, I think via Spikes. Um, he talks about his friendship with Barshim, and it's very fascinating. So in that case, it was very it's very deep rooted, and that was just icing on top of the cake for them, right? But I feel like there was a lot of those moments where when they when like two opponents finish up and they were just all or, or several opponents in a race or whatever were just like just the hugs look different you know what i mean the 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 congratulations looked different they felt different this time and i don't think we will ever get that level of 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 um of a collective um Collective openness to give love in that fashion um, than what happened in Tokyo, and I find I find that really as an overall point uh, to the Olympics really really interesting. Um, I feel like it's a moment for a lot of them uh, to come home immediately as soon as they finish their events. Right, they they just straight up go go home. So as soon as the uh, I was like the first few events, right? Uh, I don't know. Trying to think of the first event. Uh, as soon as you know, uh, archery was done. Right, that's the first couple of days, right? As soon as that was done, shooting, boom, gone. 
yeah, they go home, right? And that's and that's you know, obviously part of the protocol, but it's interesting thinking about that. Um, and then seeing them come day by day uh, on different flights and having their own moment, I guess, is kind of fascinating because usually they all come back in one big, you know, one one big lump. You know, you see all the uh, see all the Team GB athletes, for example, just come through. You know, especially the one with the one with medals, anyway. Um, definite for for definite, and they all get that photo op where they're all together, all in their tracksuits and you know, in their in their suitcases, and they just take a picture in front of the terminals. Um, but it was different this time, right? Adam Peaty came home practically solo, um, and you know, you just saw his kid come to him, you saw his girl come to him. And it's just them. It's just them three in that moment. And I love that. I'm here for that. Um, so I think the overall point I come across, I, I, I finish with, um, when thinking about the Olympics of 2020 in Tokyo, um, is just that. It's just the overall gratitude I feel that, you know, some maybe some of us had. I definitely had it. I've been waiting for this for a year. I'm totally, I, I, I feel complete. <laughs> to not to override it but it's just I feel complete just just watching the marathon which is the last thing I watched um the women's and men's marathons uh, uh on Kaseki of Nights and I was just really just I was really just enjoying that moment of watching you know uh Eli Kipchoge just absolutely blitz the pack right and uh and just take that gold medal uh in the marathon and just overall man and as a personal point, uh, as a, you know, nationalist point, um, Team GB got 65 freaking medals, bro. Like, that that was not the that was not the target. That was not the target. The target, I think, was like 60, I think 50, something like that, 60, 50, 60 range. I don't think they even said targets, actually. So, and we could have easily gotten more. Karrion Johnson-Thompson got injured. Dean Rashford-Smith got injured. Right? Adam Jamini got injured. And that's just three people, right? That's, that could be three medals right there. I'm not even kidding, Right? And plenty of others uh, uh, that went away for whatever reason, okay? So, it easily could have been 70, honestly. It could have been one of our most, uh, if not the most successful Olympics that the Team GB has had. And that just gives me such hope for uh, 2024 in Paris. Um, looking forward to that right quick. I'm not sure whether I actually want to go to Paris, right? Oh, I mean, I'd like to go to Paris, right? But I feel... I, I'm I'm a I'm a buffet I'm an Olympics buffet eater. If I go to if I go to Paris right, and let's say I just go there for the athletics right, and I just stay in the main stadium wherever it's going to be, uh, maybe Park the Prince, who knows? Uh, shout to PSG again, right? Maybe it's that for the athletics, right? So if I do that for the whole uh, week, the athletics are there. Um, do I how how do I peep everything else? You know, during that week, uh, do I just like go home and then just uh, get a VPN and then binge? Maybe. Maybe that's the case, um, but yeah, I I I would love to. I just need to. I just need a game plan because I'm a serial Olympics binger, as you guys know. And if I go there for one event, which will definitely be the athletics, guarantee that, right? I'm gonna need I'm gonna need an ability to see the rest <laughs> as they go. Um, but even if if I if even if I don't go, which is probably likely, I probably won't. Um, it's good that it will be in a time zone I can digest. And just spend the whole day just eating, 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 eating Olympics. I cannot freaking wait. The three years cannot come fast enough. Onwards and upwards to Paris 2024.
So we move on to our first of two life segments and this is all about the recent IPCC report on climate change. Uh, UN backed uh, their first major assessment apparently since 2013. Hundreds of scientists, uh, I think it's like 3,000 pages long. Um, but obviously I can't read 3,000 pages. So I found a good, uh, just five key takeaways uh, kind of thing. A little roundup from Bloomberg Green. This is by Eric Roston and Akshat Rathi. I hope I said that right. Um, and yeah, let's just jump right in because obviously uh, I've, I've been mentioning the wildfires in Inner Week where uh, over the past few weeks. Um, and that's not got that's not been lost on me. I've been meaning to talk about you know obviously the climate crisis that is right at our door right now, and uh, yeah, I've been meaning to talk about it for a while. And this report just basically you know is is a great flashpoint I feel to talk about it. So let's just jump right in. Today, United Nations well today was obviously a few days ago, August 9th anyway. Uh, the United Nations Intergovernmental uh, Panel on Climate Change delivered its latest comprehensive report on the state of global climate science, just the sixth in the body's more than 30-year history. The report's 200-plus authors distilled 14,000 individual studies to produce today's release. Even the IPCC's so-called quote-unquote summary for policymakers, a distillation of the report's key findings approved by the delegation of 195 nations, clocks in at 42 pages. Uh, here are the five key takeaways from the report. So number one is the last decade was hotter than any period in 125,000 years. Not only that, but uh, atmospheric CO2 is now at a 2 million year peak. Consuming fossil fuels has combined with, uh, has combined with agriculture to push methane and nitrous oxide, also greenhouse gases, to record uh, to records for at least the last 800,000 years. All the greenhouse gases have elevated the global average temperature by about 1.1 degrees Celsius above the late 19th century average. In fact, humans have already dumped enough greenhouse gas into the atmosphere to heat up the planet by 1.5 degrees Celsius. One of the goals set by the Paris Agreement, but fine particle pollution uh, from fossil fuels, is uh, masking it by providing a cooling effect. A combined contribution to global warming of neutral, uh, natural factors such as the sun and volcanoes is now estimated to be close to zero. Um, there's also good graphs here if you want to peep that as well. Uh, number two, scientists can now link specific weather events to human-made climate change. I feel like this is a very big point, uh, albeit very short. Uh, this hasn't been, the, this hasn't always been the case. Recently, as recently as 20 years ago, for instance, it was virtually impossible to attribute any particular storm or temperature spike to the warming world. But the climate science profession has seen the entire specialties, specialities. Specialties, yeah, specialties emerge and mature since the IPCC's uh, previous mega report in 2013. No field is more resonant than the ability to uh, analyse extreme weather events in real time to determine what role climate change is playing. The deadly heat wave that gripped uh, the western north coast of North America in June had detachable uh, evidence of human responsibility, and their determination came quickly. World Weather Attribution, a international uh, research group, needed just days after the heat broke uh, to conclude the that the extraordinary temperatures would be quote-unquote virtually impossible without climate change. Number three, scientists have narrowed the estimated range for how temperatures respond to greenhouse gas emissions. 
This one is a milestone in the field of climate sensitivity that's taken four decades. Drawing from research on ancient climates, as well as advanced satellite technology that monitors cloud emissions, new models have narrowed the projections of the atmosphere's likely response to industrial emissions. That allowed the IPCC authors to focus their temperature projections for the rest of the century, uh, giving, a human- giving humanity a clearer picture of what may lie in store if we don't act quickly to, to curtail emissions. The Earth's response to a theoretical doubling of pre-industrial CO2 levels is now thought to be between 2.5 degrees uh, to, two, to 4 degrees Celsius, a much smaller range than 1.5 to 4.5. Uh, Celsius in previous IPCC reports. These findings rule out the possibility that unrestricted emissions will have only a mild effect on global temperatures. I hope very few observers of events in recent months could cling to, Uh, but the narrower uh, range also provides powerful evidence of the world's best pathway to safety, swiftly ending the release of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. Number four, the Earth rewards good behavior. Almost as soon as emissions cease, heating will cease and temperatures will stabilize in a couple of decades, but some effects such as sea level rise will remain irreversible for centuries. It's a race between the avoidable and unavoidable, and humanity is behind. Scientists broke new ground in this IPCC report by projecting what happens when our emissions get to zero. As the world reduces its use of fossil fuels, for instance, the cooling effect of aerosols will start to decline. The scientists are confident that one way to encounter that decline, uh, to counter that decline, sorry, would be to pursue quote strong, rapid, and sustained reductions unquote in methane emissions beyond CO2, meth- beyond CO2, methane, and nitrous oxide. Uh, there are four other greenhouse gases that also provide opportunities for slow warming, and there's a nice graph to that as well. Now, lastly, five, the IPCC's uh, volunteer scientists build consensus with all UN governments before releasing uh, this report. Sometimes it's a fight, but unanimous agreement with nation with the nations of the world, who all must affirm that the findings are summarized accurately, is a very powerful tool. It's what makes the IPCC the most authoritative authoritative body on global warming. The report begins with a definitive statement: "Quote: It is unequivocal that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, ocean, and land." Unquote. Tom Evans, a climate diplomacy researcher at the think tank E3G. Uh, puts the implications succinctly, quote, no government has any excuse to duck their responsibility to act, unquote. And that's kind of it at the, uh, at the end of the day, right? Uh, it, it's, uh, it, I think the conversation has always cut, uh, gotten to a point where it's like, um, you know, it's, uh, oh, you know, we individual, we all need to do, we all need to do our bit. And while that's the case, right? And I say, you know, that's, that's always, always been the case. Um, stop fucking about guys, right? Um, the fact that governments agreed on a lot of this and uh you know and that last bit about the about the 190 just to think about that right 195 countries and governments um allowed this report to go through right and unanimous unanimously uh, uh put it through right and that was obviously and i think it said to condense it to 42 pages right um that's good that's good right the the, the information the information's there and it's it's um it's jarring, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about it in the past couple of days uh, since the, since the report dropped. And like I said, it's a great flashpoint for to talk about it at this moment. Um, but the but the, while while individual um, effort is always encouraged, and you know I hope hope for you guys have been 
um, you know, doing your part in some way um, and just, you know, planning ahead, right? Governments need to pull their fucking finger out now. They really do. They always have been. For the past 30 years, they've been pussyfooting. Oh, this by 2050. Like, we're not going to be here 2050 if you don't fucking get your shit sorted. Like, some of us won't be here if you don't get your shit sorted. Like, go go look at Greece. Go look at Turkey. Like, they're, they're fucking burnt. The whole place is burning, bro. Like, overnight. People can't sleep because there's risk of just, you know, fire engulfing them. Like, people's houses, whole village is gone. Boom. It's crazy to think about. And you think, you, and even if you don't live in a place where there's trees, okay? Say if you live in a city, it's not about, maybe it's not about uh, flame, uh, uh, flames uh, engulfing, your, engulfing your village. Okay. What about the fucking air quality? I've got asthma, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's real shit. It's real shit all the time. Plenty of cities have that smog going on, right? London has it now and again. China always has it. Right, it's, it's crazy to think, like, it's not just heat, it's not just, like, whatever you think, whatever is on the news cycle, right, and obviously this point is wildfires, you know, pertaining to the US, uh, West Coast, uh, Italy, Greece, Turkey, Australia a couple of years ago, right, a couple of winters ago, um, well, a couple of summers for them ago anyway, you know, or a summer ago. It's it's that's not, it's not it's not just that it's also sea levels right the, the the mention of sea levels is rarely mentioned these days but that's gonna be a thing and that's practically irreversible right if you live in Great Britain you live on an island hello like it's real shit is always real shit and governments need to collectively pull their finger out the constant patting on the back that UK government constantly does who we're one of the, we're one of the best. I don't care. I really don't give a fuck. I really don't give a fuck how good you are. It's the same with that institutional racism shit we were talking about like months ago. Oh goody, you're not as racist as America. Do you want a cookie? Do you want a fucking cookie? Seriously, like it doesn't. I don't. I don't care how good we are in the world. You're still not doing enough. We're still not doing enough. And will it ever be enough? I don't know. But why not try? You know, why not, why not take the impossible and give it a go? Let's give it a good shot for, for like 10 years. Let's give it, a, let's give it a real good shot and, you know, tell fossil fuels to fuck off. And as a fun fact, um, they're literally, um, you know, approving new fossil fuels, uh, you know, new, new mines and stuff like that. Right. In Scotland, I think. Right. You, you, you're gassing yourself up, but then also you're, you know, uh, allowing more fossil fuels to come through, like new, 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 new plants or whatever. So, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? So, you want to be patting on the back, but you don't want to talk about the new fossil fuel shit that you're doing. So, that's just UK government. Obviously, I'm being biased, but there's plenty of other countries, and it's all of us. It really is all of us. Like, like you know, I don't want to be that hippie guy, but you know, we're all on this one planet. So, you know, and it, the, 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 the. the the catastrophes are different for all of us, right? For the UK, it'll probably be flooding. For somewhere like Greece, at the moment, it's wildfires. It's different. For some, for it's, like, it's probably either gonna be wildfires, or just heat waves, or flooding. One of the three, probably for most of us. So, it is what it is, right? You got your word. So, 
and governments know about this. That COP26 thing has happened in November. If they, I swear to fuck, if they constantly keep talking about, oh, this by 2030 or this by 2050, I'm going to fucking scream. Because projections don't mean shit anymore. They really don't. It's now. Now we move on to music and uh, just going to talk about something lighter before we go back to the deep shit. Um, so I found this, uh, well I didn't find it, but uh, you know, the, the, the homies uh, lashed this uh, amazing uh, article by the one and only Andre G, the G, the G named G, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love, it. I love his commentary all times, uh, he just has some great thoughts about the overall hip-hop uh landscape and just provides great commentary so this one is called when flexing goes wrong which just reminds me of the uh dave Chappelle, uh when keeping it real goes wrong um so let's jump right in because this is some good shit <clears throat> over two, 22 million jobs were lost by the pandemic in 2020 i'm assuming it's the us by the way and uh a may 2020 article reported that the uh, that the 14.7 percent for yeah uh, of un, uh, unemployment rate reached levels unseen since the great depression Joe Biden extended the eviction moratorium for 60 days in areas with higher infection rates, but 10% of the uh, nation's 10% of the nation's uh, renters are still at risk uh, of being evicted. It wasn't a recession on social media, however, where many celebs' conspicuous consumption uh, continued to garner high engagement. Yo Gotti uh, dropped a track to inform his fans that he was recession-proof. I'm just going to laugh a lot of all this because uh, a lot of this I don't even know about. I try not to, you know, just dip into this kind of shit and, and follow artists that constantly do this kind of garbage. Um, so this is, this is a lot of the shit's going to be new to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, Cardi B stirred controversy last October by asking Twitter whether she should purchase an 88k Birkin bag. I didn't remember that, actually. Uh, days before, Saweetie posted a clip letting women know that if, quote, he not paying for your Birkin, if he not paying for your bills, then throw that nigger back to the streets, unquote. While an estimated 30 to 40 million people were at risk for eviction, She later apologised for her comments. In September 2020, Rick Ross posted a video sh- uh, showing off an aerial view of his 109-room mega mansion in a state where, the average, where an average of 10,000 people experience homelessness on any given day. As Saweetie noted in her apology, these moments were meant to be extensions of the artist's gaudy public image, but they were also out-of-touch displays during a pandemic that's costing people their homes and jobs en masse. Some artists can't resist demonstrating to their fans how broke they are, and how they should be working harder. And some of us can't resist indulging in material masochism. Flossing and hustling has always been a part of hip-hop, and it's accepted by most fans as aspirational and or inspiring. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to floss. This piece is meant to critique everyone who pops out uh, with a nice watch or car. But sometimes the flexing crosses a line, whether it's insensitive timing or outright poverty shaming. The antics have continued into this year, with several tone-deaf instances of artists flouting uh, their money as a defence mechanism. Kodak Black threw reported 100 grand in the ocean 
and flushed $100 bills down the toilet as a confusing expression of displeasure with his quote-unquote disloyal artist, Jack Boy. What? I knew he did the the ocean shit, but flushing shit down the toilet, really? Uh, J. Cole took a moment on the off-season's uh, applying pressure to let fans know, quote, If you broke and clowning a millionaire, the joke's on you, unquote. And Coy LeRae uh, has twice posted videos throwing money as a response to criticism. In only July, she tossed money in a mansion where, uh, when her X- XXL three- freestyle was given a thumbs down by many. And she recently threw more money in a pool as a retort to criticism of her rolling loud performance. We get it, guys. You got money. But artists flossing cash is an odd gesture in the first place. Considering that they're boasting uh, proceeds earned from the very people that gave them the money, economic anthropologist Jason Hickel recently tweeted, quote, millionaires and billionaires don't produce volume, they primarily capture value uh, produced by others, unquote. And while this tweet may have been more directed at the Jeff Bezoses of the world, it is also true of entertainers. Artists' riches are a reflection of capturing, uh, capturing the collective patronage of their fan base. Whether they earn the money through uh, direct-to-consumer merch and product sales, or through endorsements from corporations seeking to sell products to their fan base, their earnings are linked to the people, and none of the flexing negates people's criticisms or makes them unworthy of levying them. Many people in African and Caribbean communities participate in communal money-sharing clubs, uh, popularly known as SUSUs. Is it SUSUs? I think that's how you say it. Uh, the general premise is that each person contributes an equal amount of money into a collective fund, and at the end of a varied period, monthly or bi-weekly, one person benefits from the lump sum pot. The cycle rotates and lets each, other, uh, lets each contributor take advantage of their consistent investment to periodically get a large lump sum. Consider how it would look if for one month the person receiving the lump sum excuse me, then sent pictures of the cash back to the rest of the contributors and started calling them broke as if it wasn't all their collective money. <laughs> That's great. Uh, they'd probably be kicked out of the circle. But so many of us uh, revel when entertainers perform the same action of flouting our proceeds back at us. Artists wouldn't be flossing if they weren't getting some, some positive feedback. It seems like for every person who sees Ross's monstrous estate and tweets, Oh God, I hate rich people so much. You niggas buy unnecessary shit for no reason. There's another person, like a fan, who replied, quote, Bro, we we gets get this money for real, unquote. Yeah, I know, butch- I butchered that. I don't care. Under a clip of the, uh, under a clip of the home. Many of us are conditioned to believe that living life to the fullest means consuming to the fullest. Capitalism, consumerism, and materialism intertwine to compel millions of people to seek proximity to the luxury lifestyle, even if it's through a fake designer belt or taking a picture next to a foreign car. Our system relies on an underbelly, underbelly of poverty, which means that most have-nots can only seek vicarious thrills through the spoils of the rich. Watching others flexing is an aspirational for those who aspire to make money of their own. Which is partly why not all flossing is bad. There are plenty of people who are critical of systemic inequality, but also have a penchant for nice jewellery, fancy cars and high fashion. We can like nice things, and have nice things within reason. But it's about how we carry ourselves with it. Pimp C famously said, quote, Don't look down on the youngsters because they want to have shiny things. Unquote. That's true. Because, but elsewhere in the interview, he referenced the quote-unquote benefits and quote-unquote blessings of fame that he was experiencing. Once celebrities stop regarding their riches as blessings and start weaponizing them against the people who gave them the, th- the funds, it marks them as gluttonous wealth hoarders who take their fans for granted. 
Celebrities also shame fans by serving as prosperity preachers for black capitalism as hashtag grind mode as the pathway to riches. They, cl- they claim, quote, there's enough money for everybody, unquote, urging people to work harder, but ignoring that the one... Uh, that the one pathway for the genuine equity for genuine equity would be redistributing their wealth. They take to social media to implore us to grind first thing in the morning and tell us we all have the same 24 hours, ignoring the systemic factors that offer some people more opportunity than others. They amplify their poverty to plentiful sto- uh, stories as a possibility for everyone instead of interrogating uh, why so many people are in poverty. The manifestations of systemic inequality get dismissed as excuses by stars and their rhetoric is so often amplified by fans who believe they're capitalists but simply being ca- are simply being capitalised on. Their, their quote-unquote motivational antics serve the 1% that depends on a workforce hopelessly fixated on productivity and consumption. Or oh, do I go through the rest of this? I've uh, th- got about three more paragraphs. Let's go for it. Mr. No One Work, No One Cares Work Harder, uh, Diddy, <laughs> recently posted a video of himself on the beach, telling us he went from 15 roaches on his face to a backyard with an ocean view. Many people living in poverty desire the same kind of come up, but capitalism necessitates that it's not going to happen for the overwhelming majority of them. It would have been fine enough for him to tell viewers to try and try uh, to get a vacation. Uh, where uh, to wherever he was, which was realistic, which is realistic, but him demanding views to quote unquote not allow yourself to have the to have mangoes and the ocean as your backyard. What? Not allow yourself to not have mangoes. All oh, right, and the ocean as your backyard. Okay, I read that wrong. Uh, is a smack to the smack in the face to the physical laborers, overworked teachers, firefighters, and others who likely expend more energy than he does on a daily basis just to eke out a modest at best living. Simply working harder isn't going to uproot systemic inequality. Actually, if the proletariat class, oh, proletariat, he's getting into it, uh, wasn't already being overworked, the economy would have already buckled and his life of luxury would look drastically different today. Celebrities are spokespeople for the surreality surreality of late-stage capitalism, where the middle class is non-existent and and too few want to admit that the American dream they're sending is a delusion. While people experiencing homelessness aren't even allowed to sleep on park benches at night, others have more money than they know what to do with, and are literally throwing it away or spending it on something so excessive that its price tag is more than its function. All the while, p- poor people uh, spectate the show so hopelessly, it, uh, so hopelessly devoted to the individual's path to riches that we romanticise being overworked as a rite of passage our faves went through. Celebrating the shame, celebrating being shamed while waiting on the remote chance to do the same. Too many poor people are suffering from an in- inequitable system, and not enough is being said. Uh, n- not enough aid is being distributed. Instead of redistributing their wealth, celebrities uh, are telling us we're not working hard enough, even though we're putting enough work to keep them rich. Rap millionaires benefit from a system that necessitates the poor people they ridicule. Us fans are the people who collectively fund their fortune. The people who celebrate their antics. Uh, may not fully understand that, but there are many people who do and are sick of it. Which is why calling someone poor isn't an insult. In fact, it's a fact of life in an inequitable system. And that's just some perfect commentary out there, man. That's just some great commentary overall. Um, I don't really have much to say about it, uh, partly for the sake of time, but just also just... That was very just well-rounded commentary on and you know you, you i think you guys kind of understand where, where this is coming from i feel like a lot of people uh there are a lot of people that attempt to 
get into hip hop, but also see that stereotype of you know just uh, all these rappers wearing big chains and driving fancy cars. And while that is a stereotype, and while that is you know kind of low key effect as well for a lot of these, and they you know willingly participate in that bullshit. Um, it's not everything. It should, uh, but it sh- and it shouldn't be everything. But it co- constantly comes across as just incredibly tone deaf. And uh, it's funny. I was watching a documentary with my pops the other day, and uh, oh no, watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire actually. And um, there was a question about uh, luxury brands, and uh, I forget that. I f- I'm, I'm trying to find the name because I never heard of the name. And my and my dad was like shaming me for not knowing <laughs> what it was. I was just like, "Why the fuck are you get on me? Do you want me to spend money on that kind of shit?" Like it was it was crazy. So like it was a question about uh what I don't know jewelry has gotten ro- a royal uh royal something. Uh, it was like Cartier, Tiffany and Co. Uh, I forget the I forget I forget the other I forget the other one. And uh, there was one that I'd just never heard of before. Um, I'm trying to find it in my history, just to see if I can find it. But uh, it's, Oh, here we go. Uh, right, Birkin, 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 Birkin. What was the... Yeah. Damn it, what's the, what's, the, what's the name for it, man? I can't find it. I literally can't find it. That's actually so depressing for me. Um, but yeah, I will never know anymore, because uh, it, was, it was something with a B. It was something with a B. Bel, Bel, Belvia? Bel, Bel... It, it, it had a V instead of the... Oh, was it Bull? B-U-L? Ah, it was B-V something. It was spelt as a V, but it had a it had a U in it. Oh, Bulgari, that's it. Bulgari. Never heard of it before. But here we are. And my dad was roasting me for not knowing about it. I was like, what the fuck are you getting me for? I don't give a shit about Bulgari. I don't just give a shit about Cartier or Tiffany and Coba. For some reason, I know what those are. Anyway, yeah, I'm not here for flexing. I've never really been that interested in it. I've I've never been interested in grind culture either. That shit just is just jarring to me. Um, and yeah, man, it just doesn't. It never sit. It's never ever sit sat right with me. And uh, you know, it just adds on to it. Um, all of this uh, with, with compounded by everything going on with the pandemic and economic. Uh, struggles that a lot of people go for, uh, going through homelessness and all that kind of stuff it's um it's just unnecessary a lot of it is really 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 just unnecessary to me and we finish on our final uh, and second uh, live segment and this is all about the 2011 riots, which is now 10 years old, 10 years since then. Uh, obviously, uh, happen, uh, which obviously happened off the back of uh, the death of Mark Duggan, and uh, you know resulted in you know straight up riots. And um, you know, I was a really I was 15 years old at that point, and uh, something that um, I did have an article to read. But um, to be honest, I don't think I'm going to read it uh, just for the sake of length. Um, it is a very lengthy piece, and uh, I wanted to get in some commentary uh, that was given towards it. Um, but I have a lot of personal thoughts on it myself, um, so I'll just go for that instead. Um, so 
you know, I was 15 years old at that point, and uh, while I wasn't living anywhere near the uh, epicenter of the riots, whether it started in Tottenham, it spread across uh, a lot of places in London, a lot of boroughs, uh, went to went on to Bristol, Manchester, Liverpool, other places, right? Um, it was it was very it was the first time in my life where I was watching the news. And I was seeing just this commentary come across. And I was... It was the first time where I, I actually, you know, vehemently disagreed with what was going on. Well, Not even what was going on, because uh, I'll get to that point in a minute. But vehemently disagreeing what, with what people were saying about the event, you know? And how it was framed. It was something that really... You know, the person I am now um, that, you know, constantly talks about, um, tries to, you know, consistently talk about social issues, you know what I mean? Not trying to make it all about that. It's not what all life is about. But, you know, whenever something comes up, I try and, you know, give it a mention at least. Um, because it's something that I feel behind on. Like, I've, I've probably said that before. I feel behind on a lot of it. I feel behind on a lot of the learning. Um and uh but 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 when i was watching that at that time and just going through life at that point at that point i was very you know docile but that that event really woke something up in me and it took me a while to really grasp it actually took until recently uh until a couple uh, until a month ago um for me to really think about um because i was i was beginning to see you know um, mentions of the 2011 riots that, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be 10 years next month, da, da, da. and I started thinking about it, and I realised it was the first time that I felt truly passionate about, you know, the intersections of uh, society, race, uh, class, and all of that stuff, right? It was the first time I was really thinking about it um, at that time, uh, ever, uh, before then, I never really thought about it. Before then, I was just being a kid, right? Um, and you know that that moment happens for I think a lot of people. I think it ha- I think it happens for. Uh, I mean, I think it should happen for a lot of people. It should happen for everyone. Um, that just awakening that you have, where you see something going wrong, you're just going, "Wait, you guys, are, you guys are framing this wrong. It's not about this. It's about that." But um, you know, it, it's it, it's. A recent documentary came through on the anniversary uh, a couple of days ago on BBC Two talking about the riots, and all I saw on Twitter in terms of commentating was the same shit. <clears throat> Look at these thugs. Uh, it's just stuff like that. Like police, police should have, uh, police should have, um, you know, been there more. Da 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 da. And while I agree, in some ways, you know, the riot shouldn't have happened. I always see it. I always see events like that. I always see events such as the Brixton riots, which is now forty years ago. Um, any, any, pick, pick an event. Pick an, pick an event of the of this any of any event like these of this nature, and you will find under the surface a deep, deep uh, boiling point and a deep, deep injustice in some way. Whether it be, you know, criminally or just societally. 
And I think for 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 people my age that are now in their you know uh, mid to late twenties, whether they participated in the riots or not, I feel like and again, well again again, but I'll say this right. Of course, there's opportunities in every riot. There's opportunities in every riot. I remember last year in uh, I think I I don't know where the riot was in America, but uh, I think one of the Paul brothers started looting. I'm like. Bro, you're worth millions of dollars. Why the fuck are you looting, right? So, there's people that just that just took the opportunity, right? But to 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 take anger, to take lashing out, to take backlash, to take societal backlash, such as the 2011 riots, and just frame it as, oh, oh, oh these uh, these young thugs. Fucking uh, rioting. Oh, this is duggery. Oh, gosh. What, 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 what's our country coming to? Is it the country we're leaving for them? Leaving it to these thugs? No, no, no. It's like... They're angry. They're angry. Why? And ask yourself, why do you think at that time they were angry? That's always, that's always what was missed. Every single time. The framing just doesn't go deep enough. It never does. And that was the first time that that framing, and I didn't know how to artic- I I I did not know how to articulate that point, but I knew I was pissed off about it. But it was the framing of it. It was Boris Johnson on holiday and having to come back. Oh no, sorry. Did we did we interrupt your holiday? Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, mate. I it, the complete contempt people had for this event was just jarring, and it came across on Twitter the other day when the when the documentary came out. It was the exact same thoughts, exact same people going saying the same shit. So ten years ten years on from the death of Mark Duggan and the subsequent twenty eleven riots, people still frame it. As just opportunistic teenagers fucking looting everywhere. And again, that was a case for a lot of them. But overall, it was anger. And why do you think people were angry? Ask yourself that question. Because at that point, and it still exists at this point, which is why a lot of people, a lot of uh, people commenting on this event 10 years on are saying that this could easily happen again. It's because we're not doing enough for the use. The government is not doing enough for the use. Like it's, it's, early 2000s was asbos and the word chavs. And 2010 and 2011 and onwards was no different. It was just worded differently and more racialized and 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 just a consistent thread of class struggle and it just depresses me thinking about it because the 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 the, the overall commentary on it is still the same after 10 years you lot have learned fuck all there's a lot of people that had that awakening last year and I fully applaud them for that and I'm sure a lot of people have been 
um, you know, changed by what last year was. I I am one of those people, right? Um, and definitely for the better, right? But but thinking about it last, thinking about that that time when I was fifteen, there was actually one moment. I don't know if I've told this, but there was one moment where I was on the way to meet some friends, and um. I was this. I was a very. I was very into radio at that point. So I was listening to the radio on my phone, and it was a phone in. I think it was on Five Live. BBC Radio Five Live. I was one of those kids. One of those weird kids listening to BBC Radio Five Live, consistently. Um, and it was a phone in, and it was people just talking about you know the riots that were going on at that point, and they were just saying the dumbest shit. So I actually felt, I I felt compelled to call. I I was walking to my friends. I was walking to meet my friends. I was like 10, 15 minutes away from them. And I was going to call up a phone line on on national radio and talk about the riots. I don't know what I said. I don't remember what I said specifically. But the fact that I did it was... Just thinking about that now is crazy. Um, So, yeah. It's been 10 years and I don't think we've learned anything. Uh, in, in, in a lot of cases, I feel like, um, the, the youth of today have, have it worse than I did, um, in, 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 just, just in terms of, uh, how they're seen, maybe, uh, maybe it's more of the same on that front, I don't know if it's worse, I think racially it's worse, um, class-wise, it's the same, it's the same bullshit about, you know, just, uh, thugs with no money, you know, taking advantage, looting places, seeing TVs, right, um, sure, you can do that if you want, but there is, in every, every single outburst, there is a issue, there is a root issue, there is a root cause, and 10 years later, people still refuse to look at the root cause, and that root cause is the fact that use of that time were disenfranchised and youths of today are still disenfranchised it's only masked by social media today where people can voice their opinions more back then it was just bbm and even with that said uh bbm did a lot for the riots in terms of spreading that kind of uh social media wildfire it literally kind of was that of uh people broadcasting Hey, we're 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 going to this place, right? That was a real thing, okay. And again, opportunistic. That's the case. That was that was the case for some. But the root cause, and I don't think the riots would have happened if the youths weren't disenfranchised. They saw an opportunity, they took it. Well, do you think that's right or wrong? Sure. And also, I feel I feel like I need to mention, you know, Mark Duggan's family were protesting before the riots, and there wasn't really much fanfare about it. Um, and obviously, that was partly the catalyst. And there were protests at first, but then it just spilled over. And sometimes that happens. And sometimes it's necessary to highlight once again. The root cause of why people are doing the things they do. They don't wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to riot. Nobody does that. 
Okay. Nobody wakes up and goes, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loot of JD. I'm a loot of curries. No. That's not what they did. Okay. That's not what they did. That's not what people do. There's always a root cause for everything. There's a root cause for every negative impact, and uh, every negative event. But you guys, a lot of people refuse to look at the root cause still 10 years on. And that framing really needs to change. And I'll leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, for the 5th and Podcast Network, I have a child saying it's been more skip. Intro music has been too much by Vanilla. You can find his link in the full show notes. Thanks to Joe Breakers for the bids user track. You can also find their link in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy Hire for the charismatic interlude. Uh, you can find his uh, site in the find his link in the full show notes as well. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.